Mics are tricky. We got two different ones and turn them on two different ways. I'll get used to them eventually, maybe. I'll tell you, I feel the shout of a king this morning in my spirit. I was, I was reaching for the Lord this morning, and both my kids are at home with me this weekend. And so I got up extra early, and I was reading and studying, and I waited for a good time to go wake them up. And I didn't just invite, I kind of pushed a little. You know, that mama nudge, please go with me. <laughs> you know, it's been a while, please go with me. But they both had two different churches they wanted to go to. And I even told them, I said, well, just go with me because it's Thanksgiving <laughs> to my church. Go with me. Go with me just this one time. But they both denied me. But you know what, Aunt Pat? I went ahead and I got ready. And I didn't shed not one tear. Because I want to tell you, I claim them for the Lord. The Lord spoke to me this week coming to work. And I got a scripture I want to read in John, the last chapter of John. So y'all can be turning there. John 21. But I was praying and I was just thinking, well, Lord, if I could just do this. You know, that's my prayer time every morning going to work because I got that commute. And there's no preaching or nothing on the radio, just talk shows and music. And, um... So I just pray, and I was talking to the Lord about my situation, and I said, if I could just do this, and if I could just do that, and if I could just, if I could just, and it's just like the Lord said, well, what about me? Where, where am I at in this equation? And I realized that I was trying to do God's job. <laughs> and it was just worrying me and stressing me out. And so I realized that it's got to come down to prayer. <laughs> I mean... That's got to be the foundation. So I told Carrie this week, I guess it was on a Thursday, because I told her of the mornings we're both getting ready for work and we're both so busy. But I told her, I said, Carrie, I said, will you give me two minutes of your time every evening? Can we just hold hands and just say a two-minute prayer? And she looked and she said, well, Mom, sometimes, and I said, no, no, no. It don't have to be a set time. We don't have to say at 10. We don't have to say at 5. Just when we're together, because we're both together before we go to sleep most of the time, let's just hold hands and say a little prayer. And you know what? She agreed. She says, okay. And you know what I found, Aunt Pat, is that I'm not a great prayer. I just, I cry a lot. And I just say what's on my heart, you know. And I, I listen at people like Sister Kathy. She's not here this morning. Brother Terrell, he's another one. Great prayers. I mean, they pray, and I just want to say that. Me too, that, what they said, you know. But I found that in that little simple prayer, I just claimed my kids, just claiming my kids. And I'm like, the devil's a liar. Carrie was saved. I was there. Saw her baptized. Saw the Holy Ghost on her. She's mine. She's mine. You gave her to me. And we're going to heaven. And one of us is not going without the other. And I just felt her little spirit just break and just begin to cry. Yeah, just a little simple prayer. And we've been practicing that. And not only do I claim her kid, uh, my kids, I don't only claim Carrie, but I claim others. And that's what I'm doing. I mean, and I feel good in my spirit this morning, even though, you know, it was a little kind of like a little bit of a letdown. When I got here, I still felt the line of the tribe of Judah inside of me. I still felt victorious, Sister Deborah. I still felt like God was fighting for my children. 
I still felt like he's fighting for his church. I still feel like he's fighting for the younger generation, regardless what's going on. And that's just the way I prayed this morning. I just prayed and said, devil, you're a liar. Sometimes we forget. He's a liar, Brother Donald. And he lies to us. And he creates situations that look bad, but they're lies. And sometimes if we get all frantic, we buy into that lie. And we start trying to fix up and patch lies. And lies will never stand, no matter how much you patch them, how much you fix them. So I'm not worrying about trying to patch up what the devil's lying about. I'm just going to stand on this solid foundation and say, my God, my kids are my heritage. Amen. And they are going to be a part of this move of God. They are going to make it. Amen. Regardless what it looks like right now, I'm not looking at what it looks like. I'm looking at what God said it would be. Amen. Just like Gideon. I read this one day this week, and it ain't in John, but I just feel real good about it. But, you know, it's in Judges where the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon. And, you know, the Midianites, they're coming and they're stealing their grain. They're stealing everything they got. It's just like every payday, the same person comes up and robs you. And then you work another week, and that same person comes up on Friday and knocks you in the head and takes your paycheck. That was what was happening. That was what was happening. So Gideon, instead of going up on the hilltop where the wind was blowing to thresh his wheat, amen, to thresh, he went down behind the wine press. And he kind of hid where the Midianites wouldn't come, you know, and steal from him. But the angel of the Lord stepped on the scene and he said, Thou mighty man of valor. See, he wasn't calling him what he looked like. He was speaking from what God knew about him. And this morning when we pray, we need to pray from what God said. Amen. We need to stand on the word what God said. Now I'm going to go to John chapter 21 verse 1. And after these things, what things? The crucifixion thing. (laughs) After the resurrection thing. Hallelujah. After these things, all the things that the Old Testament had prophesied was coming to pass, Brother Justin. After these things. Amen. Have we seen some things come to pass here at this church that has been prophesied? I think we have. After these things. Have I seen some things personally in my life that was spoken over me come to pass? Not everything has, but after these things. See, Pentecost hadn't come yet. There are still some promises to come. Somebody wave at me. But the Bible said, right here in your situation, right here where you're at right now, after these things, glory to God, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There was purpose in it. There's purpose in today's service. There's purpose right here today for us. There were together. Didn't look like much. You know what they were doing, Brother Donald, at this point? Waiting. Right here in chapter 1, I mean chapter 21, verse 1, verse 2. Just sitting around, waiting. The Lord had been resurrected, but they didn't see it. The stone had been rolled back. They didn't see it. Mary came running to them while they was just sitting there. But they didn't have that garden conversation with Jesus. They was just waiting, 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 hoping and waiting. What are we doing here for the last couple of years? Hoping and waiting, 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 waiting. (laughs) But it says, but there was purpose in that waiting. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. 
And Simon Peter saith unto them, I'm getting real tired of this waiting. <laughs> yeah. He said, so you know what I'm going to do? I believe I'll just go fishing. That's right. says, I'm tired of this waiting. <laughs> I believe I'll just go with fishing. And they, which means the other ones that were with him, they were disciples. They had been walking and talking with the Lord just like Peter had. They'd been casting out devils, healing blind eyes. They'd been doing all the miracles just like Peter. But they all got tired. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you where the church is at right now. We're all pretty much tired. I mean, we can just be honest and say, you know what? It ain't like it used to be. And I'm tired. Back when Jesus was with us, man, we saw revival. We saw people getting healed. We saw people getting saved. We saw, oh my goodness, the Holy Ghost would come down. There used to be women shout and dance. They, I, the men would jump. My goodness, there'd be two or three on the floor preaching at one time. But now what are we doing? Just kind of waiting. And it's kind of getting old. And I have to be honest with you, I'm kind of like Peter every now and then. I'm like, Phew. it'd be a whole lot more fun just fishing than it would just be coming and sitting and waiting. They said to him also, we go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. They didn't even think about it. There wasn't even one of them that said, hey, let's pray about this. <laughs> Not one of them that said, this ain't what we were told to do. Not one of them. Because they're all pretty much fed up. <laughs> I know, right? And that night, they caught nothing. These were professional fishermen. Can I tell you, going back, it ain't as much fun as it used to be. Somebody wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. When you get tired of waiting... Maybe church ain't going exactly like you think it should or maybe it ain't happening the way it used to and we get aggravated and we get tired and we say, well, you know what? I'll just go back to that little old place over here where, uh, you know, it was exciting. But that ain't where God told you to go. God told you to wait right here. So we go back to this little place where it used to be so exciting and you know what we find out? It just ain't no fun anymore. And hey, I'm not talking about going back into the world. I'm just talking about going to the last church. The one you left. The one that was so upside down. The one that had so many hypocrites. The one that had so many busybodies that you couldn't stay there anymore. So you left that church to go to over here. And when you get over here, God says, now just wait. I want you to sit and wait a spell. We get tired of waiting and we're willing to go back where the busybodies. We're willing to go back where the hypocrites were. And all the fighting and commotion. You know why? Because they were young in the Lord. They're children. They're immature. So we want to go back to the immature stage and fuss and fight. But you know what you find when you get there? They're just as tired as you are. They're just as tired and we're out as you are because we're all waiting. We're all waiting. Amen. They caught nothing. Somebody just needs to say nothing. But when morning was come, there's a day break, amen. There is a day break that's going to take over, hallelujah, over all this darkness, over all this waiting, my God. And when morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Why? Because they were so busy doing something when they were supposed to be doing 
nothing. Oh, gosh. I used to go, when I was young in the Lord, we used to go sometimes to Pentecostal services, and they would aggravate my spirit to death. They just aggravated my spirit, not because of the word they preached, not because of the songs they sung, but there was no quiet time. None. From the time you walked in, it was jump, holler, shout, jump, holler, shout. They passed the mic off just like a baton in a race. And if you wouldn't jump and hollering and shouting, then you didn't have the Holy Ghost. So they'd give it to somebody else. And it was jump, holler, shout, jump, holler, shout, jump, holler, shout, out from beginning to end. And I'm like, ah, I just need a second. I just need a second to say his name. Just a second to say his name. Because I don't tell you something, what Jesus does. When Jesus shows up, he quietens the storm. Is that right? Is that right? Now, I don't tell you. I'm a jumper, and I'm a shouter, and I'm a praiser, and I'm a worshiper. Nobody likes to do it more than me. But I've got to say his name first, ain't Pat. I've got to get to a place where he's real, where it ain't just emotion. I've got to get to a place, amen, where his name makes me jump or his name breaks me and makes me weep, amen. I've got to get to that quiet place, hallelujah. But they were all so busy doing something that they wouldn't listening for that nothing because it's in the stillness that he comes walking, amen. Then Jesus said unto them, children, notice how he addresses them. Not you bunch of backsliders. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, he didn't say, hey, you over there, you disobedient crowd, you stiff-necked and hard-hearted, you unbelieving and doubtful. He said, children. Because <laughs> he's ever wooing us. He's ever wanting us. He's ever longing for us. He says, children, have you any meat? Have you gotten anything in all your efforts, what he's asking? Have you gotten anything in all your effort, all this something that you've been doing all night long? Has it produced any peace? Has it produced any comfort? Has it produced any healings? Has it produced anything? Do you have any substance? Do you have any meat? <laughs> oh, God. I kind of hear him speaking to us this morning saying, I know it's enticing to want to make something happen. I know it's enticing to go back and just fish for a while. But I'm telling you, you're just going to wear yourself out. You've been up all night. I know you're weary. I'm going to tell you, when I stay up all night, I get just ornery the next morning. I don't want to be fooled with, don't want to be messed with. I sure don't want a lesson in my religion. Come on, is that right? I sure don't want to, but this is what Jesus says. He says, children, have you any meat? And they had to answer him honestly. No, sir. <laughs> nope, all this hype that we've done, it's not produced anything real. Nope, all this hype that we've been going through, it hasn't sustained me. And it hasn't gave me peace. It hasn't gave me comfort. Oh, my God. And he said unto them, then cast your net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find and they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now we're getting down to a very important part in the story, amen. They were so busy in service, amen. This was service. Now God had gave them a command. 
And they were busy in service. Pulling them fish out. Pulling them fish out. Pulling them fish out. Woo! God has moved for us. They still didn't even recognize. How could you not? How could you not? I'll tell you how you cannot. Because you're so busy. Still busy. Still busy, busy, busy. But listen at this. They cast their net. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. <laughs> I can see them all just reaching down their ain't pat, pulling them fish out, just pulling them. It was so many, the nets was about to break. So they was grabbing them with their hands and throwing them on board. I can see them just working, working, working. God had gave them a command. He said, if you want this, you can have this. Go ahead and let your net down, but let it down on the right side. Do it like I tell you to do. It's obedience. And I can see them at that word, at that word, I can see John saying, Wait a minute, guys. But they were so busy. There was so much noise. Have you ever caught a lot of fish or ever seen a lot of fish? They make... There's a lot of noise that goes on when there's a lot of fish flapping around, ain't there? There's a, and then men hustling around and bustling over here and the nets and the anchor. And I can see a bunch of stuff just going on, going on, going on. And everybody's so excited. But John, however, he's just kind of standing back in the back saying, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> it ain't about the fish. It's about the Word. <laughs> Amen. It ain't about the fish. It's about the Word. At thy Word, we'll let down thy nets. At thy Word, it's something about that Word that moves my heart, that stirs me. Amen. And I can hear John whispering, maybe not even really with a loud voice, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved. It was that very same disciple that had his head laid on Jesus' breast at the table. Amen. He loved that Word. It's the same scenario as Mary and Martha when Jesus came home with Mary and Martha. Remember that story? Hi, man. And Martha was in there and she was busy cooking and cleaning. She was busy doing all the dishes. She was busy doing stuff. But Mary was just sitting at his feet. Hey, man. Because sometimes it ain't just about serving the Lord. Sometimes it's about getting to know the Lord. Hey, man. Sometimes it's about relationship. Glory to God. And so I see, amen, I see John saying, wait a minute, it ain't about the fish, it's about that voice, it's about that word, I recognize that word. My God, when he spoke about the nets, when he spoke about the meat, he was speaking to me, amen, in a house full of Christians, in a house full of people, hallelujah, that word touched me, it ministered to me, just like that, just like that. During that revival, I don't remember what night it was of revival, but in a house full of men, in a house full of Baptists, God came along and He tapped a little old girl, a little old Baptist girl on the shoulder. There is something about that word that ministered to me that night in Pat that it didn't mean that much to nobody else in that church service, but my God, I heard it. Amen. It was a call. It was a different kind of call. I'd never heard that before. I got called to salvation. Amen. And I repented of my sins and I was baptized in the creek amen but glory to God there is something different about this word I'm telling you God is wanting to speak a different word into our lives why do you say that I say that because of this I'm just going to say John John said to Peter it is the Lord <laughs> now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself in the sea. <laughs> All it took 
was just, it is the Lord. And kaploop, somebody jumped overboard. Somebody jumped overboard. I want to tell you, I'm that ready, Brother Justin. I am that ready this morning. Just somebody can whisper, it's the Lord, and I'm out of here. (laughs) You know what I mean, Sister Deborah? I am so ready. I mean, I am cocked. I am loaded. I am ready. Just at the whisper of His name, at the sound of His voice, I am ready to jump over. Amen. I'm ready to stroke. I'm ready to swim. i got to get there. i got to reach it. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. If you got your Bible and you write in your Bible, you need to underline that. There was a fire of coals there. Because the only other time in the New Testament where it talks about a fire of coals is right at the trial. The Bible said there was a fire of coals and the disciples warmed warmed themselves there at the fire of coals. They warmed themselves there at the denial stage. They got real close to that fire of coals and began to get warm. Amen. And the little damsel said, hey, you look like Christians. Peter said, no, it's not me. You're mistaken. Nope, not me. And she said, yes, I believe you're him. You're that Christian that follows Jesus around. The Bible says Peter actually said some kind of a cursing and denied, it is not me. That could have possibly been the last time he saw the Lord. We don't know. Doesn't mention him at the crucifixion. We don't know what happens to him. But we know that he got tired of waiting. We know that he took a bunch with him out fishing. We know that he jumped overboard. And the Bible said God had something prepared for even Peter. Amen. God had something prepared. Our past don't define us. I am so tired of my past. My past was a life lesson, not a life sentence. Somebody needs to raise your hands. My past, I've made mistakes. I own my mistakes. Nobody twisted my arm. Nobody caused me to do those things. I'm ashamed of some of the things I've said and some of the things I've done, some of the ways I've acted. I'm ashamed. And I have repented more and more and more times than you can beat me for. Come on. Or any other Christian or preacher can beat me for. My past was a life lesson, not a life sentence. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus says about it right here. And they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread and Jesus said unto them bring of the fish which ye now have caught and Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes and a hundred and fifty and three and for all there were so many yet was not the net broken and Jesus saith unto them come and dine And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and he giveth them, and fish likewise. We need to understand what these fish and loaves represent. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself unto his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. This right here, we're going to read this, and then we're going to change just a little bit, okay? So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I wonder what was going through Peter's mind while he was sitting there, number one, when he was on the boat. And somebody recognized that it was the Lord. And all of a sudden, his great love for the Lord, because I've done this. Have you done this? I've been rebuked for this a time or two. My great love and zeal for the Lord 
overruns my common sense sometimes. And so at the sound of his great name, I completely jump overboard and just take off. Just take off. And then when I get where I'm going, I realize, ooh, I may have stepped out a little too soon. <laughs> I may have done this prematurely. Uh, no going back to the boat now. He's already seen me. <laughs> Is that right? Can't, ain't no hiding. Ain't no hiding now. He's already seen me. Preacher's already caught me. Sunday school teacher knows who I am. No going back at this point. So I wonder what he was thinking. Then when he gets there, he gets all the way up to this coal of fires. And immediately, because you know who Satan is, and I know who Satan is, immediately the devil's going to say, remember the last time you was at a coal of fires? Huh? You're right there in the presence of God. You are right there in the presence of the resurrected Christ who forgives all manner of sin. And yet there is the devil. Although it's not written in the scriptures, I can almost guarantee you he was there. And he was saying, remember the last time you was at the coal of fires? And Peter's probably at this point now getting real nervous about it. Oh my God, I love him so much. I remember whenever I was so backslid on God, I loved him so much, Sister Lisa, that I craved the house of God. I craved to be with God's people. But yet I was so ashamed. I remember going to Donnie Patterson's because Ken Davis, it was announced that Ken Davis was going to be there. Love to hear that man preach. Will always love to hear that man preach. And I remember I slipped in and I sat in the back so ashamed. But I, there, I don't know what it is. There's just something about that seed inside of me. It desires his presence. It longs for his presence. I don't care what shape I'm in. I long for his presence. Come on, somebody. And then whenever I get there, there's the devil. You know who the devil could possibly be? That sister that knows what you did 10 years ago. That brother who caught you in the very act. Come on. Why do you think that little, uh, little naked woman felt whenever she was right there in the presence of Jesus and they'd caught her and drug her in the very act and there she is in the presence of Jesus. That's who's going to always be where the Lord is. That accuser. That accuser of the brethren. But there Peter is. And listen at what God tells him. This is very, very uh, uh, important that we get this last little part, okay? So when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, not necessarily to all of them, but the Bible says to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, identifying him from any other person that was there, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. See, it's very important that we understand. Whenever God called Peter in the beginning, what did God say to Peter? In the very beginning when he got his call, he said, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you a fisher of men. You know what fisherman is? Salvation. Catch and release. Catch and release. Catch and release. You catch them, but you don't get to keep them. You release them because you've got to go on to the next town and preach again. Catch and release. You're releasing them back to either the pastor of some local church, hopefully, and not back into the world. <laughs> but it's catch and release. Catch and release. You're catching fish. You're catching fish. You're catching them. You're catching them. Hallelujah. You're catching something that's dead in the water and bringing life to it. But now listen at this call, even after the greatest mistake anyone could ever make. 
even at the greatest mistake. He didn't say to Peter a second time, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He said, if you love me, come learn about me and feed my sheep. Oh, he wasn't a, he wasn't a shepherd. He was a fisherman. He said, but I'm going to give you a new call. I'm going to give you a new call. I'm going to give you a brand new anointing. Amen. Hallelujah. Something different just about to happen to you, Peter. A change is fixing to take place. Glory to God. A change, amen, that's going to take a little fearful fisherman who denied me at that coal of fires. Hallelujah. And that change is going to revolutionize your life. Amen. And you're going to stand up. I've got work for you to do. Glory to God. You're going to go back and you're going to preach the first Christian message. Hallelujah. I'm going to, I'm going to make a change happen in your life. That It will take you all the way to death. Amen. You will won't deny me anymore because this change is going to stick, amen. This change is going to go with you all the way. Hallelujah. No longer are you going to be a fisher of men. No longer is it going to be catch and release. But this time, amen, you're going to shepherd some people. You're going to stay with them and you're going to give your life for this flock, amen. Glory to God, you're going to get some stick to it. And I say, man, there's going to be something come over you. Hallelujah. It's a brand new anointing. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you something. God called him to be a fisher of men. Is that a call? Can somebody say amen? That was a call. But that call could not keep amen. Yeah, but this second one did. This second one went all the way. Amen. I'm telling you, Brother Donald, do you feel it? I feel it in the air this morning. God's wanting to call some people, hallelujah, into a service, amen, that you're going to be willing to give your life for. And I'm telling you, it's for such a time as this. There's things that's coming upon the America, glory to God, that we can't turn and run from anymore. We can't warm our hands by the barrel, by the coal of fires, and deny Him anymore. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God is offering this morning something hallelujah, that's going to stack. Hallelujah. And we will go all the way unto death feeding the sheep. Hallelujah. I don't think it's a pastoral call. I think it's a Christian call. I think it's for every one of us. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. I tell you, I feel like we were just standing on our feet just a second as pastor's getting ready to come forth and just carry us right on into glory. Hallelujah. And we just need to ask the Lord, God, I'm ready for this change. I've sat and I've twiddled my thumbs and I've waited and I've waited. And when everybody else went fishing, I was tempted to. But for whatever reason, I stayed with the stuff. <laughs> Oh, but God, and now there's a change. God, now there's something in the atmosphere. I feel it. I feel it. It's going to be something, amen, that's going to go down on the inside of me. It's not osmosis. I'm not going to lay my head on the pillow, amen, or on a CD, a preaching CD. But I'm going to have a desire to get in the Word. I'm going to have a desire to get in the Word. And because of that desire, God's going to open the eyes of my heart. Yeah. Amen. He's going to open my understanding to the Word of God and to the Scriptures. Hallelujah. So I can feed the sheep. So I can stand on the watch. So I can hold my sword. Glory to God. So I can be on the front line and take a few for the team. Amen. Without running. Without hesitation. I will run into battle. When I see your kids being drug off by the enemy, God will give me strength. Amen. To run and charge the enemy. And pull that lamb right out of that lion's mouth. Amen. That's the anointing I feel like is coming, Brother John. I feel like it's anointing to feed my sheep. Hey, glory to God if I can at all. Come on. Come on, man of God. Hallelujah. I tell you, Thank I you, Lord. God this morning yeah. wanted to do for His people. Come on, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on, lift your hands up to the Lord. Come on, lift your hands up to Him. Go ahead and worship the Lord. Go ahead and worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for the overshadowing of your spirit. God, for the strengthening of the Word and the working of the Holy Ghost, we thank you, Father. Let the very moving of the Holy Ghost gather every heart together in this place, Lord. God, we've got to become a body. We've got to become laborers together, Lord. God, that we can accomplish your will. God, you have set this Word in this place for your divine purpose. God, if there's ever been time that you open our understanding to your scriptures and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what the Spirit is speaking, what your will, God, is being spoken that you're giving us direction. You're setting before us a plain path. And God, if we will listen and hearken, you will order our steps in thy word. That the name of Jesus be magnified and honored and glorified this day. And we give you praise. For you are God. You are God. The fullness of the Godhead wills bodily. In Christ Jesus, you are God. All power in heaven and earth now dwells in the Holy Child. You have put on the fullness of God. Now, Lord, condition, prepare, bring together. Knit our hearts together in thy love. Let the bond of perfectness, God, which is thy love. God, we need this. We need this, Lord, but this is not something that man can do. This is a work of your Spirit. Only your Spirit can bring in that love that took you to the cross. Only your Spirit can bring in what we need, God, to become laborers together and to have love one for another. You said by this, men shall know that ye are my disciples, not by the healings, not by the miracles, not by the revivals, not by the great crowd, not by the great messages, that ye have love one to another. God, knit our hearts together in thy love. God, the cry of my heart is to make this people a body. God, this people right here in this church make us a body. God, the enemies come in to scatter, to devour, to destroy, to divide. 
We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding. God, teach us to be still. Teach us to be still, Lord. Till you tell us to cast that net on the right side of the ship. Teach us to be still, Father. To wait for the leadership of your Spirit. To wait for that voice that we know won't fail. Give us wisdom and understanding and direction. And let this word be to honor and glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a good praise today. I tell you, I don't know about you, but I am so glad to be in the house of the Lord. And if any of y'all didn't get that service last week, you need to get it and listen to it. I tell you, God fell here in here last week in a dynamic way, just a powerful working of the Spirit of God. And I feel like where I, the Lord's going to lead me today is going to be beneficial to every one of us. Because we need God to talk to us. It ain't just being busy. It's, it's like Sister Susie was saying, you can get so busy working for what you call ministry that you miss the will of God for your life. You can miss the direction God wants you to go. So you've got to learn just to be still. You've got to learn just to be still. Go ahead and turn it off. That'll be a... You know, the Lord spoke something in my spirit two or three years ago. And just because God speaks something to you don't mean you understand it or don't mean you just automatically do it. But He said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. It's hard to be still physically. But it's even harder to be still mentally. Any <laughs> y'all ever lay down and go to sleep and lay there and stare at the ceiling and your mind won't be still? Your body will be still, but your mind won't be still. When that happens to me, I get up and go study the Word of the Lord or go to prayer. Because I'm not going to take it out on my pillow. <laughs> Sometimes I feel sorry for my old, my poor old pillow. That thing gets beat black and blue. And if I get too restless, I'll get up and go study and pray, and then uh, I'll go lay down somewhere else because I, I try not to disturb her if I know she's resting, and she'll do the same for me. So, but we got to learn to be still. But what I'm going to minister on today, and I'm gonna, I've got notes. I'm going to give them to you in a little bit. But I don't want y'all reading them and trying to jump ahead at me. Because I've seen some of you, and I hand the notes out. Y'all start reading, and you ain't paying no attention to what I'm saying. you got all week to study these. Y'all hear me? you got all week to study these. And I'm, I'm, some of the scriptures that I don't have in here that the Lord spoke to me coming up, because I'm going to tell you, I was praying this morning coming up the road. I don't know what people have thought if they pulled up beside me, but, buddy, I was talking it down <laughs> and it wasn't just a, a cry I was talking to the Lord and he was listening and he was talking back because when I talk 
to him, I stood still. And I gave him time to answer. So many times we just get in prayer and we just, we throw so much at that God sometimes. I don't know if he knows how to answer us. I know there was a song that came out years ago and I never did hear all of it. But it had a catchy little verse in it. And I think it went something like, could you, would you, can you? That's about the way we are when we pray. It's God, could you, would you, can you? I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that. God, do this, do that. Do. So today what I'm going to do, I'm going to go back to the principles of prayer. Man, God stirred me up the last 48 hours. Like I said, this is one of the scriptures you won't find written in your notes. So when you get them, you can write it down. But it's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And I pulled on people to be here this today. I knew yesterday morning when I got up and started prayer at 2.30 in the morning, I knew people was going to miss this service. And I started pulling on people to be here because I feel like this is a very important service. Because if you can't get structure in your walk with God, your walk with God ain't going anywhere. You know, no matter how high you rev your engine, no matter what gear you got it in, if something ain't getting traction, you ain't going nowhere. Now, I remember when I got my first pickup, well, my second one, actually, Got me a brand new Ford diesel back in 1984. Three-quarter ton so I could pull my travel trailer. That was a good truck. But you could get that thing stuck on the top of the ground. If the ground was wet or muddy, you could sit there and spin. Couldn't go nowhere. I had no 64 International pickup back in the 70s. I'd take that thing out in the woods, load it with firewood, and bury it up to the hubs on the back axle, and I could walk that thing out of the mud. But I've seen that Ford truck of mine get right on top of the ground and sit there and just spin. You couldn't goose it. You couldn't walk it. You couldn't back it up. It'd just sit there no matter what you'd done to it. Had a strong engine in it. Snatch that 9,000-pound travel trailer down the road like it wasn't even back there. But if it didn't get no traction, it wasn't going nowhere. So if we ain't got traction and structure in our relationship with God, you ain't going nowhere. You sit right there on top of the ground and spin. Won't get nothing done. I don't care how much you holler, you scream, you jump, you shout. You ain't going nowhere. Amen? So Luke 11, in verse 1. Y'all with me? And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught 
his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, or as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Prayer is something you've got to learn to do. It ain't something you can just do. I had to learn to pray. But I love to pray. But God had to teach me structure in my prayer. If you don't get structure in your prayer and know what you're praying for, if you don't know where to focus your prayer, you're going to spin your wheels. You go out there in them woods to deer hunt, you're looking for something. You've got an intended target. Are y'all with me today? And when you see that target and you put that scope on it, you drop them crosshairs on it, That's where that bullet's going to hit. There's a lot of people who don't have a target in their prayer. They don't have a target in their prayer. They don't concentrate on anything. They don't sit on anything. They just get on their knees and just start blabbing. Lord dealt me one time. He said, y'all get out and pray. And you holler, Lord, give me an orange, 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 give me an orange. He said, by the time I reach get that orange, you'll say, Lord, give me an apple, give me an apple, give me an apple, give me an apple, give me an apple. He said, by the time I get ready to give that apple, no, I want a peach, I want a peach. Because you're asking, just asking. Prayer ain't something you throw against the wall to see what's going to stick. Prayer is something focused. And God's people ain't focused in what they want God to do. My focus right here is for God to build a body in this church. You've got to put your efforts and center your attentions on what you want God to do. I ain't saying you can't pray about more than one thing. But my God, get some focus on where you want to go. Go with me to James 5. Lord, today, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Amen. I want God, before we leave here today, to put an earnest desire inside of us for prayer. But I want to focus on that prayer. All of us ain't going to pray about the same thing, but every one of us in this church that are members here, there's certain things about this church in this area we need to be focused on, and we need to pray as a body. You know, I got a, a man that he started listening to my word. He pastors a church over above Birmingham, and I started sending him CDs, and when I was 
over there uh, week before last. I went to his church two nights and I went to Brother Mark's two nights. And he come, it's 45 minutes away to Brother Mark, but he come and he got up and told the people, he said, I can't pray like Brother Metaprace. I ain't never been around anybody praise like Brother Metaprace. He said, I ain't never seen miracles and deliverance like I've seen in this man's life. He said, but I'm going to be obedient to the Word. And he said, I'm going to get in here and fight for God to do something. They just put him pastor over a church because the pastor died and he got about six people that are in their 60s and he's trying to do something with it. Never preached, don't know nothing about preaching, don't know nothing about pastoring. He said, I'm just trying to do what I can do to help him. But there's a hunger in him for the Word of God. And he said, I'm going to come pray. He said, if I can't pray for 10 minutes, I'm going to come pray just out of obedience. I'm going to come pray. I'm going to seek God. I need something. I need to be able to help people. I need deliverance in my life. And he said, I don't know how to get it. But I see that man knows how to get it. I see that man's got a focus in his prayer. He started talking about, I'm going to pray regardless. It ain't whether you can pray like me or not, Brother Donald. You ain't got my calling. Because of my calling, there's a different load on me. There's a different responsibility in me. There's a different requirement that the Lord has of me than He requires out of y'all. He said, the much is known, <laughs> much is required. And I'm not lifting myself up. I'm going to tell you sometimes, the more you know, the heavier weight it is. <laughs> the more you got to deal with. And the more you got to walk out. But the Lord spoke this into my spirit. I was coming up the road praying. And the Lord spoke this into my spirit in James chapter 5. Are y'all with me? And it's going to be very familiar when I read it. Verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passion as we're. That means he made just like us. Elijah wasn't no different than what we are. Am I in the right place? James 5, 17. Okay. Said made just like us. Had the same desires, same passions. Wasn't nothing different about Elijah. That's what I keep trying to tell people about Jesus. Jesus was a man just like we are. Made in the likeness of sinful flesh. People don't want to hear that. But listen what this next part says. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. That's where his focus was. That's where his focus was in prayer. Earnestly he prayed. He said, God, this bunch of sinners, this bunch of Jezebel, rebellious idolaters that's turned from your word, that's torn down your altars, and I alone am left a prophet. God, you shut up the heavens over. You shut up the heavens that it does not rain. Except when I say so. <laughs> Y'all realize that's in, in 1 Kings, I believe it's 17. Elijah went to Ahab. He said, because of your rebellion, your wife Jezebel and all her witchcrafts and all this idolatry, he said, there ain't going to be no rain. And God ain't even going to let the dew fall unless I say so. It's going to be according to my word. 
Now, I don't know if he went and prayed earnestly before he said that or after he said it. But he got an earnest prayer and he focused on one thing. God shut up the heavens over him. Shut up the heavens over him. Everybody right now is hollering, we need rain. We got to have rain. God's got to move. No, God don't. <laughs> he don't. Because if this is God's hand, then you're going to have to visit the situation is why it ain't raining. It ain't up to me to get you to get in the presence of God and say, God, why ain't it raining? Because there's about six places in the Scriptures where God said, because of the sins of my people, I shut up the heavens. Let the water get short. Let it get to where you can't get a crop in the ground. And people's bellies start growling. There ain't no food on the shelves. You think God won't get folks' attention? Well, yes, he will. I was talking to somebody the other night, and I told them, I said, I'm, uh, last Monday night, I said, I'm going to go to church and pray, and I'm going to pray for our nation, all this trouble, all this chaos. I said, I'm going to pray for God to start settling things down. I said, because this ain't just somebody upset over an election. This is a force to destroy this nation. And if the devil destroys this nation, the gospel's going to be hindered. And I told God, I, was, I don't care what you do the wicked. I said, but you're going to have move for the righteous seed. Y'all hear me? I'm not wicked. The judgment of the ungodly should not fall on me and affect me. I'm the seed that believes God. Are you hearing me? And I am not going to be caught up in the judgment on the ungodly and the wrath of God on the ungodly because I'm doing everything I know to do to walk up right before Him. I'm trying to live my life in right standing before God. And here Elijah went and prayed earnestly, put some effort into it, put some focus into it. Over in 1 Kings when he done it, he was stood. Jezebel and all her prophets and the, the prophets of Baal, 850 of them. And he turned around, took them down to Brook Kedron, killed every one of them, 850 prophets. And then he went up to Ahab. <laughs> he was up on top of Mount Carmel. He said, Ahab, he said, get yourself down. If you want to make it back to Jezreel, it's 17 miles back to Jezreel, Ahab. You better get going, boy. Because it's fixing to rain. Ahab looked around with a cloud in the sky. Ain't been a cloud in the sky for three and a half years. <laughs> he just looked around. He said, Die. He said, I'm telling you, man, you better get yourself down. So what did Elijah do? Went up and got on his knees and started crying out to God. He had earnestly prayed that it might not rain. And God shut up the heaven for three and a half years. And then when he stood up and God sent fire from heaven, he got on his knees and said, All right, God, it's time for rain. Your people's turned their heart back to you. Your people's rejected this idolatry and this witchcraft spirit of Jezebel. Did y'all know the spirit that's going on right now in the church is a Jezebel spirit? Because it's rebellion. It's rebellion. The Lord spoke in Revelation and he told one of the church ages, said, you have suffered the prophetess Jezebel to teach. 
Rebellion has been taught in the house of God. And guys, I'm telling y'all, God's angry. You ain't never lived in a time like you're entering into that the hand of God is going to deal with rebellion and the wrath of God's face to come like it was in Bible days. Y'all think it's been rough it not raining for a couple of months. Let it go through the winter. Let it get into spring. Let it get where people want to get a crop in the ground. They want to get not just a garden, but these farmers. That's their livelihood. And there ain't no spring rains. Some of them won't even plant. They'll say, what's the use? You say, you mean God? He did it in the Bible. Did he not? He did it in the Bible. And he can do it again. But that ain't the focus. My point is, Elijah focused on what he was praying for. He had a focus. He had a purpose. He had a divine definition and purpose for where he was centering his prayer. And we've got to get the same way. We've got to get to that place that we know what we're praying for and we target a purpose in prayer and we go after what we want God to do. You got those notes back there? I want you to give them to them, and I want you all to go to page 5 with me. Please don't go anywhere else. I'm, yeah, page 5, because this is what I want to deal with today. You can read the others later. Man, I appreciate the Lord. Just go to page 5, and I got some columns listed there I'm going to deal with. Well, Brother Matter, I didn't know you preached by notes. Well, if I preach by notes, so what? I'm going to get said what I feel like God put in my spirit. I don't have to have notes to preach. I don't have to have notes to talk about the Word of God. If you don't believe me, come to Bible study. <laughs> I'll just start talking about the Word. And, and here about a week ago, when I was over in Jasper, me and Brother Michael was talking. He said, why don't we just... Bring the two churches together on like live, uh, live stream or face talk or FaceTime. Let's just have the Bible study between the churches. I said, all right, if Thanksgiving, we'll try to get that organized. He said, because can't everybody just quote the Word of God? But he said, people ask me questions. He said, i got to go study. I said, well, if I don't know, I'll just tell them I don't know. He said, well, I'd like to see the, the two churches come together. And just like over a, a tablet or a laptop, just have the FaceTime. And let's just discuss the Word of God together. I said, suits me. Suits me. Because I'm going to tell you, sometimes we get pretty in-depth in the Word of God. It'll be two, two and a half hours. We talk about the Word, talk about problems, talk about how to deal with things. But I, I want you to, right here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pick up that Scripture Oh, that I got right up there at the top, if I can find it. Yeah, and I heard this quoted the other night, and y'all probably heard it quoted too. But somebody asked somebody where they went to church. And they said, well, occasionally... We go to New Testament Church of LJ. 
No, I'm just putting that in there. And they said, well, why is it you just go to church occasionally? Is it because your preacher only preaches occasionally? No, we're just busy like other folks. We've gotten too busy to make God the first priority in our life. But the devil don't fight occasionally. His purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Whether y'all realize it or not, sitting under this word right here makes you a target for the enemy. He ain't afraid these people just out here preaching, says Susie. He ain't afraid these people have got a little gift of God. They can prophesy a little bit or have a healing or having a miracle. If they ain't preaching nothing, if they ain't preaching the revealing of the Christ in you and the coming forth of the kingdom, Satan ain't afraid of them. He ain't afraid of them because they're not teaching people anything. They're definitely not teaching people how to fight and how to make war. Today, I'm going to expound on making war. Because it's been in my spirit for about two or three weeks now. I've read that scripture over in Judges two or three times that a generation come up that didn't know war. They know nothing about war. We got a generation today that doesn't know anything about war. I mean, you look back now to mamas and grandmamas and even great grandmamas, they were intercessory prayer warriors. They were people that knew how to pray, knew how to seek God. And I get so tickled. Y'all just going to have pardon me. But I get so tickled, I see people post on Facebook. Now all you prayer warriors, come together. The word warrior means a fighter. Somebody that's skilled in battle. You show me somebody that's skilled nowadays in intercessory prayer and seeking God and getting an answer. They just ain't out there. Your mama was an intercessory prayer warrior. My mama, my daddy. I had a great granddaddy that was a circuit rider Methodist preacher, rode a horse and went from church to church. When my mama was a little girl, she went to some of my great-granddaddy's brush arbor meetings. She said they'd load her up in a wagon at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> After the spirit quit moving, she'd be asleep on a blanket in a brush arbor. Said she seen the Spirit of God move, and the power of God hit women, and they'd shout the rats out of their hair. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like bobby pins. They'd shout them out. Because the power of God be so strong. Back in those days, they put men on one side of the church and women on the other in a lot of churches. Because when the Spirit of God fell, they didn't want them falling all over each other. But she said, I knew the power of God when I was 10 and 12 years old. Knew the power of God. I was raised under the power and the anointing. But just because I was raised under it did not give me the ability to fight. Did not mean I knew war. I knew God was real and I knew God would answer and I knew God would move. But I found out to get God to move and to get an answer, you got to know how to fight. You got to know how to declare war and then you got to know how to go into the battle and what to do to defeat the enemy. 
People don't have a battle strategy. Don't have a plan. Y'all listening to me? A, in these scriptures, in this right here, first thing you got to do is identify and recognize your enemy. Lord told me years ago, he said, if you don't know what you're fighting, how are you going to fight it? If you don't know what kind of force or power you've come up against, then you don't know how to fight it. Because every spirit's different. Every battle's different. Every trial is different. Every warfare's different. And God's people have not been taught to have a battle plan or to have a strategy to go to war. When you really get set on by the enemy or you really get in a, a trial, it don't matter. You're up against something. God puts you in a trial to work something in you and it's time for God's people to learn first and foremost to identify your enemy and then let the Spirit of God give you the wisdom on how to fight. Y'all with me? Many people pray about things but the focus of their prayer and their energies are spent fighting the wrong enemy and that can be natural or spiritual. Many people direct their prayers toward a person instead of the force of the Spirit driving that person. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, in the 29th verse. Let me get over to it. Oh man, me and the Lord had a good time coming up the road this morning. Let's go back to verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth a prize, so run that ye may obtain. Just because you're out here running in the race calling yourself Christian don't mean you're going to obtain anything. I hope this is getting somewhere today. I have fervently prayed for the last two days that God would open your understanding to scriptures and this thing would get down in your spirit. Because something don't get down in your spirit and you don't start fighting and don't start fighting the right way. I'm not going to sit here and spin my wheels. Something got to take hold. And I told God coming up the road this morning, I said, something has got to take hold in L.A.J. You sent us there. You made me promises. You said you were going to move in L.A.J. You said you would put L.A.J. Georgia and Carter K. Georgia on the map. You said you would move if we would pray. And I said, now I know I'm praying. And I know my wife's praying. But I need you to get the rest of the people in the same mind, the same spirit, the same heart, and get them to put their efforts as a body in prayer to get Elijah established we don't need to be out here trying to win the world for Jesus we need to get somebody established that can come together that's got some fight and can get something done did that make sense to y'all I expect God to work something in you and his individuals but I also expect God to work something in you as a body because you ain't got a body, you ain't got a strong church, 
you ain't got a people pulling together, devil pick any of us off. I remember years ago I saw it and I told people in Fort Payne, the Lord gave me that scripture where it says, and Satan, your adversary, walketh about as a roaring lion. Didn't say he was a roaring lion, said he imitates a roaring lion. He walks about as a roaring lion. He comes in disguise, seeking whom he may devour. The devil don't come after the strong. A lion don't come after the strong. He comes after the weak. He comes after the elderly. You ever watch a lion hunt? He don't care what it picks off. Most of the time will go after the young or the elderly. All right, goes after that that drifts from the herd. I don't care what you're dealing with. Stay in the herd. Don't let the devil separate you. Don't get all by yourself. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Well, nobody in that church likes me. Nobody in that church loves me or cares about me because all the devil's doing is starting to separate you. Starting to separate you. And you know, lions don't just hunt one. Or two. A lot of times there's five or six of them. And they'll focus on one animal. It's either old or young or it's strayed from the herd to where it can't get under the protection. That's why we need a strong body right here. The Lord said, I'll raise up an army strong set in battle array. We need a strong body here. We need a church here that's set in battle array that you've been clothed to fight. You put on this armor of God. Do you know what you're doing? Do you realize if God gave us the weapons of the whole armor of God today that he lists in Ephesians 6, that we're still unskilled? That we are still unskilled? People are unskilled in prayer, Sister Pat. They don't know how to focus. They don't know how to get objective. They don't know how to center their attention on anything. And they don't know how to go after one thing and focus on God to get one thing done. They're so busy praying about everything else. I hope this is hitting home with y'all today. Because I'm going to tell you something. This word right here changed your life. You let this word get a hold of you. You let it get in your prayer. You let the wisdom of this get down inside of you. It'll change your life. It's not a person most time you fight against. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. I remember a long time ago, my wife stood up and taught the ladies at the church in Alabama. She said, look. She said, I'm not your enemy. Said, your husband ain't your enemy. Said, it's the spirit that's trying to divide you. Because if he can divide you, he can conquer you. Jesus said, house divided can't stand. Can't stand. Y'all hear me? The main purpose the devil has almost accomplished right now is to destroy the family. You hear me? Because the government's got in it. He said he'd destroy the family. You destroy the family, you destroy the church. The Lord told me several years back, you don't serve God in this church. You serve God in your home. You come to this church to worship God, to hear the word, to fellowship the body, to gain strength as a body, and you take that worship, you take that prayer, you take that word, you take that strength, and you take it back into your home. That strengthens your home. 
But if your home is in disarray and you come to the house of God, you're going to bring confusion, you're going to bring upsetness, you're going to bring confusion, you're going to bring aggravation. And then you come in and God moves for you and delivers you, does something in your life, touches you, strengthens you, gets you focused, and you go out of the house of God and go back into what you come from. If you don't build yourself up strong in the Lord, you're going to go right back into chaos. You're going to go right back into confusion. You're going to go right back into upsetness. And time next week rolls around, you're going to be tore right back down to the place where you were maybe even worse so we don't serve God here we worship God here you serve God in your home you get the spirit of God in your home you get the word of God in your home you get prayer in your home I preached for almost three years on the family altar and tried to get people to come together as a family and pray and study the word with their kids and the Lord spoke in a prophecy he said just give me 45 minutes a night in prayer and study of the word with your family just give me 45 minutes a night you couldn't even get people to give God 45 minutes a night for prayer and study of the Word. We've got to get our priorities back in focus. We've got to get back focused on what God wants out of our lives and learn how to get things done. I don't want my prayer being like Paul said, is one that beateth the air. I probably didn't finish those scriptures, did I? <laughs> but Paul went on down and said, he said, I don't fight as one that beats the air. I know how to fight. He said, I fought with the beast at Ephesus. It wasn't physical beast. It was demons. It was demons. When I was in the hospital, I wrestled with some Demons. One appeared in my living room before my wife had to take me to the emergency room and tried to take my life. She had to wrestle that thing off of me. Though I was in a trial that God had ordained, the devil will take advantage of a trial and he will come after you and try to destroy you in your weakness, in your time of being tried and tested. The devil will try to get in and you've got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to make war. I don't care uh, who you are. There ain't an uh, army nowhere that just up and goes to war. Uh, it has a war room. It has a strategy room. Uh, it has somebody that leads that army uh, and tells that army what to do and teaches it where to go. When God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, thousands of them out there, maybe millions. I don't even know. I don't think nobody really knows. But millions of people out there in the wilderness. But you know who was leading them? Moses, you know why he was leading them? He'd been raised up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. You go back and find the history of Moses. He led Egypt's armies into battle and won great victories. That's why God put him where he put him. That's why God took him when he was a baby and put him in Pharaoh's house. See, y'all don't, y'all don't look at this, but Moses was being groomed to be Pharaoh. He was being edified in all the wisdom and the learning of the Egyptians and even been taught war and won many battles for Egypt. That's the reason when he got out there with them children of Israel in the desert and they had to fight, he knew how to put an army together. He knew how to teach them what to do. He knew how to direct them and tell them where to go. You don't just fight. Go ahead and get upset with somebody and get in a fight with them and do this. 
Just throw them arms like that. Somebody put your lights out. All it takes one good jab to come between them flailing arms and knock you flat on your carcass. But what do God's people do? They don't have any focus in their prayer. When I first got saved, I'd go to churches looking for something. Because I didn't know nothing about God when I first got saved, Sister Pat. I knew Jesus saved and Jesus healed. That's all I knew. Didn't know nothing. You know why? I heard a lot of good preaching. Heard a lot of good faith taught, seen a lot of miracles, but I've never taught the Word. Never taught it. Pentecostal church. People shout their shoes off and women that dance holes in their pantyhose. And you wouldn't be taught nothing how to fight, how to labor, how to serve God. Just Jesus saved and Jesus healed. So I'd go to churches. But there's one thing about me. When I gave my heart to the Lord, the Lord started teaching me how to pray. That's one thing God gave me was a hunger to pray, a spirit. And I'd get in prayer sometimes two or three hours, and I didn't know nothing. I'd just get in prayer, man. Something just pulled me into prayer. God put a spirit of prayer in me. So I'd go to churches, and a lot of times I'd slip in, get down on the back bench, and I'd just start praying, reaching out to the Lord. Everybody would be standing around talking. They'd talk plumb up to them. Service time. All right, we fix the start service, and we're going to have song service here in a minute. Let's everybody go to prayer. Buddy, it's like you rang the bell on a five-alarm fire, and people come out of the gates wide open. It's almost like an auction, man. I mean, everybody just roll it. Hey, God, God, we love you, Lord Jesus. I can go about two or three minutes, just wide open, and then shoot. Everything stopped. You know why? It's all they had. Brother Matter, you criticize and you take it any way you want. You know I'm telling you the truth. It's about the same way today. Very few people teach prayer. And when they teach people to pray, they don't teach people to pray. That makes sense? You can tell people to pray. But most people don't have a focus in their prayer. They don't have a reason for their prayer. They're just going to pray. You can go out in the woods with a whole box of shells, but I don't want to shoot every one of them, come back empty-handed. If you don't focus on something, if you don't aim at something, if you don't make something your target, are y'all with me? See, you have to know what you're praying against and what you're praying about. D, what is the expected outcome of this battle and how have you chosen to fight? How are you going to fight it? What's the outcome you're looking for and when you find out what you want God to do, then how are you going to approach Him or how are you going to enter into the fight? Are you walking in the Spirit? Or are you overcome and upset by your emotions? Oh, don't ever try to pray when your emotions are stirred up. <laughs> Go, about all you can say is, God, help me to cool off. 
help me to cool down. You can't pray when you're emotionally upset. You can't pray when you're angry, when you're hurt, when you're... You can't pray! For one thing, you'll be praying in the wrong spirit. For another thing, your heart won't be clean. Your hands won't be clean, your heart won't be pure. And your prayer is sitting on top of the ground spinning. Because God ain't going to hear your prayer and your emotional upsetness. Because <laughs> you ain't got the right spirit. I've seen people get mad at people and start praying and call all kind of judgment down on them and want God to kill them. I ain't going to ask for a show of hands. Because <laughs> we all do things when we're children. <laughs> Don't we, Sister Susie? We all as children. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come over and meet you and I'll lay my salvation aside and we'll go out behind the barn. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all got agitated. We've all got emotionally upset. We've all got angry. We've all had our heart hurt, our feelings hurt, and then we want to go pray like that and expect God to hear us and expect God to move out of our vengeance. The Lord said, no, uh-uh-uh-uh. Vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. You ain't got nothing to do with the matter. So when you go to prayer, you better be sure your heart's right. Because if you're praying in anything but righteousness, it ain't going nowhere. If you're praying in anything other than in right standing with God, your prayer's going to spin its wheels. And then you're going to pray and then you're going to get vexed and aggravated and upset after a while because God ain't doing what you ask. And then you start saying, God, why ain't you moving for me? Why ain't you taking care of this situation? Because you ain't praying in the right spirit. And you're praying against a person instead of spirit that may be driving that person. See, if you'll learn to focus on the spirit behind what the person is doing, and start warring against that spirit in prayer and start tarrying that spirit, God will begin to change that person. Because when that spirit backs away, and if you focus on that spirit in prayer and you begin to pray and you begin to ask God to deal with that spirit, you begin to ask God to take care of some things, you begin to ask God to let his will be done in that person's life and drive that spirit back, that person will start changing. Man, y'all don't want to see my war room. You don't want to see my war wall. You don't want to see whose name is right here. And I've got this, this, and this underlined saying, God, take care of this. God, deal with that. God, you put him in this spirit. And then over here, another one. Every one of y'all is on my prayer wall. Because I want something to come out of my labors. But I can't do it. I don't have the ability to do it. It's not my place to do it, but it is my place to wage war against what's fighting you. It's my job, if that's what you want to put it, to fight against what's fighting you. Because I've seen people get all emotional, get all upset, and man, if they don't calm down and seek the face of God, boom, they'll make the wrong decision. I mean in a heartbeat make the wrong decision and then they just dig the hole deeper. It is. It's easy to do. That's why God said, be still. Be still. 
We need the Lord to teach us how to pray. You get down and start your prayer off like I start mine off every time I get down to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. I was coming up the road this morning. I started my prayer. I said, my Father, I know you're in heaven. Hallowed, most holy, most righteous is thy name, Jesus. And I said, you said, make your petition and your supplications and your request known unto God. In other words, put something definitive before God. Put a purpose, put a, a, a petition, put a supplication. Know what you're asking God to do and don't try to tell Him how to do it. Maybe I should have took the offering first. <laughs> you can't tell God how to perform His work. But you can put a petition before Him. I was listening to Sister Susie a while ago, and man just popped my head, and she got talking about them disciples out there on that boat, toiled all night long. Well, how's your prayer life working for you? <laughs> Y'all giving dragging them nets around all night praying? Well, what you caught? <laughs> Ain't nothing in there, Lord. <laughs> well, maybe you need to let this word get down inside of you and get a definitive reason for your prayer. Focus on something. Get something in your mind or in your spirit you need God to do in your life and start praying about it and focus on it and don't go off on 15 bunny trails while you're praying. Stay focused. You can drag your nets around all night long and wear yourself out. And Jesus just stand there and watch you. <laughs> what y'all doing out there? Well, Lord, we've been praying. We've been laboring all night. We've drug these nets all over this body of water out here. Have you any meat? Ain't caught a thing. Lord, ain't seen nothing changed. <laughs> Ain't even got a minute in the bucket. He said, well, he said, now, listen to my instruction. Listen to my instruction. What did Elijah do? The Lord told him, should you pray earnestly that it might not rain? That's what he concentrated on. And God just reached up there and turned that big old faucet off. And then he reached down there and turned that off. And Elijah said, Ahab, it ain't going to rain. And ain't going to be no dew. Unless I say so. <laughs> I got that kind of walk with God unless I say so. You say, Brother Metter, can you pray and God give rain? If God tells me to, I can. You hear me? If he tells me to, I can. So I've, I, I've stood and spoke to tornadoes and seen them split. And go different directions. But that's because God put it in my spirit. See, God's always been in battle for his people. David said, don't y'all know our Lord's a man of war? Don't you know he's a man of war? That's what David called the Lord in one of his songs. He said, our Lord is a man of war. And David prayed and cried. And he said, Lord, teach my hands to fight. My fingers to fight and my hands to war. 
Put a bow in them. Teach me, Lord. Give me ability. Give me strength. Teach me how to make war. Have you ever in all of your prayer said, God, teach me how to make war against the enemy? Not a person. The spirit that drives that person. When God put it in Joshua's hand, and he went across Jordan, there was Jericho. Walls 40, about 40 foot thick, what, the, uh, what history says. They could have chariot races around the top of the wall, about 80 foot high. I read an article in a commentary or an encyclopedia said they found the foundations of the wall of Jericho 80 feet in the ground. Because when God brought it down, he didn't crumble the walls on top of the ground. He took it flat, even, leveled it. He opened it up and the whole foundation went, shoo, and they just walked in. All except one place. Rahab's house. Her house was on the wall. And that whole wall went down the ground. Except that one place where Rahab lived. Because she let them spies down with that scarlet cord. Down over that wall. Because the Bible said her house was on the wall. That's how great our God is. That's how great our God is. But see, when Joshua was, was trying to uh, figure out what to do and he was praying, the Bible said he looked up and he saw a man standing there. Said he was dressed in armor, clothed with weapons to fight. And Joshua walked up to him and said, Who are you? You be forced or you be against us. He said, I am the captain of the Lord's host and I've come to fight for my people. He said, Now, he said, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot. For the place where I stand at this holy ground. So what did he tell him that for? Because Joshua lost a leg in battle and he only had one shoe. He told Moses, he said, get your shoes off your feet. He told Joshua, loose your shoe from off your foot. But see, God was already there to fight. He was already there to fight. You hear me? He was already there to fight. When Daniel went to prayer in Daniel 10 and started seeking God, cried out about the sins of the people, petitioning God, went 21 days. The angel of the Lord come stood before him, said, I heard you the first day. I heard you the first day. But the king of Persia withstood me for 21 days. He said, but now, he said, I've come and fought against the king of Persia. And he said, I've come because of your words. I've come because of your prayer. I've come because you've labored. I've come because you sought me. I've come because you focused. I've come because you set your heart and your affections and your attentions on me and you focused on what you wanted me to do. And now I've come. And the king of Persia that withstood you, He's now driven back. See, God's always been there to fight. He's always been there in prayer. He's always been there. But we've grew up and all we've, all we've well, in the name of Jesus. That's all well and good. But there's got to be a basis for your prayer. Are y'all with me? I'm not trying to be mean. 
I'm trying to get you to do things in the right mind and the right spirit. That you won't be beating the air. You won't be spinning your wheels. God will reach down there and put a four-wheel drive option in that thing. You get tired of spinning your wheels, you can stop and slip that thing up in four-wheel drive. Now four of them wheels will start turning instead of just two. E. When you devise a plan to pray, is it being set forth for and implemented in faith? Or are you praying for revenge or out of anger or hurt feelings or out of fear and panic? All these are situations and emotions that people use and dwell in while in prayer. They pray and ask God to do things which are against his word for one thing and are against the will for another. Many people don't care or look at this. They just want what they want. People pray selfish. Y'all hear me? People pray selfish prayers. They pray selfish. Because it ain't what God wants, it's what they want. It ain't God, not my will, but thine be done. It's God, this is what I want, and this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want you to take care of, and this is who I want you to kill. <laughs> People will do it. People honestly try to pray the judgments of God down on people and get God to kill them because they're angry and upset with them. And they ain't nothing but flesh. Let me tell you something. You walk upright with God and an enemy gets in your way and you start praying against that spirit that's on that enemy and, and they start hindering the work of God. God will do whatever he has to. You don't have to ask God to do it. God will fight for you. God will fight for you. He'll fight your battles. Because the battle ain't yours no how. All you can do is petition God. But get definitive. Get a definite purpose for what you're asking God to do. Amen? Get a definite purpose. Get you a battle plan. Get you a strategy. There ain't no army in the world and in history that's went into battle without a strategy. Without a general to lead them and say, this is where you want to focus your thrust here. You want to go over here. You want to go over here. It looks like they're weak right there. This is where we're going to hit them. They got a strategy. They got a battle plan. Not just do that. Not just get out and pray and say something in the wrong mind, the wrong heart, and the wrong spirit. Try to get God to move. F. You have to pray in the right spirit and in the right manner. And you have to be in right standing with God. That means that your hands have to be clean and your heart has to be pure. Or he's not going to answer and nothing will happen in your favor. The only thing that will be accomplished is the enemy will stand back and laugh at you and watch you make all these wrong decisions. And watch you as you get weary and frustrated at the situation. And then you will start questioning God as to why he hasn't moved. At, that, at this point, confusion and weakness will set in. And you will be an open target for the enemy to attack. When you're weary and weak, and God ain't answered your prayer, then your faith is down. Oh, I hope I'm getting somewhere today. I hope I'm getting somewhere today. 
simply because you have worn yourself down physically and emotionally and tried to move God and get an answer and nothing's happened. And it's all because of the ignorance concerning spiritual warfare and the ability to look at the situation and develop a strategy that will defeat the enemy. The enemy can be defeated, but you've got to have a battle plan. You've got to have a battle plan. I hope I'm making sense to y'all today. Because I'm telling you, you take hold of this right here, this changes the way you pray. This changes the way you look at situations. This will change your focus. This will change your labor. You don't have to labor near as hard. Now, this last point, you have to have Scripture. The foundation of your prayer has to be the Word of God because God is His Word. You've got to have a Scripture for God to move for you. You've got to have a Scripture you're basing your prayer on. You've got to have the Word of God as the foundation for your prayer and your fight. If you don't, what you going to base your prayer on? What you going to base your warfare on? And God's already told us in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You pull strongholds down in prayer. You don't go out there and grab spiritual strongholds and get out of my way. This is coming down, that's coming down. Go ahead and get boisterous in your flesh. Start screaming at the devil and telling the devil, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You're a liar. I'm going to move God. This is, and you'll wear yourself out and won't nothing happen. Because all you're doing is putting on a fair show of the flesh. Now, I've gotten mad, and I've talked to the devil. But the Lord said in his word, he said, even Michael, when he contended for the body of Moses, dares not bring a railing accusation against the devil. He just looked at him and said, the Lord rebuked thee. Devil, you saw it low down, good for nothing, aggravating, upsetting, force of hell. Yah, rah, 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 rah. And all you're doing is roaring in your flesh. Just look at him and say, The Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. Why? It ain't the words, it's the instruction, the structure, the prayer, the planning, and the power that's behind the word when you're obedient to the scripture. There's power in the Word of God. If you use it lawfully. Paul said, if you don't use it lawfully, if you don't run this race lawfully, you ain't going to obtain nothing. You ain't going to get nothing. And I've had people tell me, well, I'm just going to pray and believe God and everything's going to work out. I said, Really? Are you keeping the Word of God? Are you living by the Word of God? Are you in right standing with God? Because let me see how you're going to use the Word of God for your defense or for your petition and you're not living by the Word. Don't work. Did y'all hear me? It don't work. 
But there's people that we got a whole generation out here. Every time something goes wrong, now I need everybody to go to prayer for me. I need everybody to go to prayer for this. And uh, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my nephew, I need everybody to go to prayer for them and ask God to move for them. They're dealing with this, 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 and this. Somebody tell me, why should God intervene for somebody that's not serving him and not living by the word? Can anybody give me an answer? Brother Terrell, God is not obligated. If you don't keep his word and do your best to live in right standing with God, he's not obligated to do anything for you. Because that right there is God. Y'all realize that? That's God in black and white. And God is his word. And every place God talks about moving for his people, there are conditions. Am I right? In other words, God says, you do A, B, C, and D, and I'll take care of the rest. But don't do one out of two or one out of five and think, I'm going to come to your rescue. God will be moving against his word. And God, y'all listen to what I'm telling you. God can't break his own word, Sister Pat. God can't break that. That is forever settled in heaven before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. His word is forever settled in heaven. God can't break that. Whatever that says, Sister Deborah, God can't break it. And if God moves, he will move according to that word right there or he won't move at all. Y'all hear me? So don't think you got some kind of inside track to God. And I'm going to read the last one. You have to have Scripture. The foundation of your prayer has to be the Word of God, and God is His Word. You have to learn to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the greatest weapon next to prayer that has ever been given. And prayer doesn't work without a foundation of the Word of God. Whatever you're praying has to be grounded on the Word. Because if you don't ground it on the Word, you ain't got nothing to petition God with. You ain't got nothing to petition God with. When David went out there to fight Goliath, he looked at his brothers because his brothers got ugly with him. He said, is there not a cause? Has not the uncircumcised stood up against the armies to defy the armies of the living God? And when David went out there to fight him, he said, you come against me with a sword? A spear and a shield. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I am going to take your head. Because that, that Goliath was telling him he was going to feed him to the dogs. He's going to do this to him and that to him. And little old bitty David, probably 16, 17 years old. And here stood a man 9 to 10 feet tall. A seasoned warrior, skilled in every area of battle. And here come little old David running toward him. Five little stones in his shepherd bag, a sling and a staff in his hand, and he come running toward him. Wasn't skilled in battle. Wasn't skilled in battle. He'd killed a lion, he'd killed a bear that come in to rob the flock. But he wasn't skilled in battle. But he knew how to use that sling. He put that thing down in there and he started winding up. He run toward Goliath, and Goliath was cursing him by the names of his gods. 
He said, say whatever you want to, man. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And when David loosed that sling, that was the first intercontinental ballistic missile that ever got fired because it had a target. It had a target. And when David turned it loose, hit its target. Hit its target. Goliath fell down on his knees. You hear me? And then he fell down flat. David walked up, stood on his chest. He was probably just knocked out. David drew his sword, cut his head off with his own sword. If you get on target, know what you're shooting at. Get yourself grounded in the Word of God and know how to pray and what you're praying for. Most of the time it ain't people you need to pray for. It's the spirits that drive the people you need to pray against. Because I'm going to tell you something. People as a whole just ain't mean. The spirits will make you mean. People as a whole just don't persecute you or vex you or aggravate you. It's a spirit behind them. It's a spirit behind them. Most of the time it's the spirit of God in you that vexes something in them. <laughs> and people will get ugly. They will get mean. <laughs> I had a situation there at the church. I was in prayer one Sunday before the service, and a guy used to go to church there. He come in. He said, I got somebody here who wants to talk to you. He said, What does he want? He said, He's bound by spirit. Wants to know if you can cast it out. So I walked out in the lobby and I started talking to this young man. He's probably in his mid 20s. Well, he had spirit in him. And I just started talking to him. Started telling him what God would do for him. He turned on his heels and he headed out of the church. He got out the front door and he turned back over his shoulder. He said, you wouldn't know a devil if one met you because you just been talking to one. And then he hightailed it to the car. <laughs> I wasn't worried about that little old spirit he had. And I wasn't going to try to set him free because he just took it right back. See, God has wisdom and understanding in what he does. And he teaches us wisdom. There's wisdom in prayer. Did y'all hear me? There's wisdom and knowledge and understanding about what you pray for, how you put it in action, and what you need to pray for God to hear you. Get it based on the Word. Get it based on the Word. Are y'all hearing me? Get it based on the Word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So when you get in carnality and you get to raging and you get mad and you get aggravated and upset, you're trying to fight a spiritual battle in a carnal mind. It ain't going to work. You ain't going to pull down those strongholds. You ain't going to cast down no magic because all you've done is stir up the strongholds and stir up your imagination and your fleshly anger. That's all you've done. That's all you've done. But if you'll calm down, get in prayer and ask God for wisdom on how to fight. Formulate a battle plan. Get you a strategy. Let God teach you how to come against that spirit. You can change things in your family. You can change things on your job. You can change things in your church.
Y'all better get ready. I got y'all targeted on my prayer list. Why? I want you to be able to stand in the day of battle. Because I ain't always going to be here. I ain't always going to be here to fight with you. There's some battles you're going to face out there on your own. And you're going to have to know how to stand. You're going to have to know how to fight. And you're going to have to know how to look at your enemy and recognize him. And realize, I fought that spirit before. I've dealt with this before. And when God gives you the wisdom, you put it in action. You get you a battle plan. You get you a battle plan. The Lord stirred me up the other day. And I got in touch with somebody because I know they're going through a battle. I told them what the Lord had dealt with me on. They said, oh, I'd done that eight months ago. I said, you better go back and revisit what your battle plan, your strategy is because it ain't working. (laughs) When I try to give you advice, don't blow me off. (laughs) And don't tell me, Brother Metter, I'm already doing that. Because the Lord told me you ain't, then I'm going to put my stake on the Lord. (laughs) I'm going to put my stake on the Lord. Amen. And y'all take these notes and go back and go over them and study them and they will teach you how to get a strategy against the devil. And you will learn how to pull down strongholds. You will learn how to cast down imaginations. You will learn when something exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because what sense in this temple right here? It will exalt itself against the knowledge of God, thinking it, it's got control. But then you've got to learn to bring every thought into obedience. The Bible says when all disobedience has been taken care of, then righteousness can be fulfilled. You gotta get to dis- we all selfish, we all self-centered, we all love ourselves, we all love our lives, we all love our families for the most part. But it's got to happen God's way. It's got to happen God's way. I'm going to tell you something. There's things y'all been praying about. If y'all been praying about them the right way, God probably probably already done done them. Can't fight us one beats the air. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. A lot of Paul's teaching was about battle. Ephesians 6, he taught us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The devil, look, the works of Satan is destroyed. Jesus destroyed him. Hebrews 2 said he destroyed him. Him that had power over spiritual death, Jesus destroyed. 1 John 3 and 9, he came and destroyed, or 3 and 8. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. But that don't mean the devil's not conniving and cunning, and he's not a foe that you've got to contend with, because he will come at you through your emotions and through circumstance and situations to get you in your flesh to make the wrong move. And when he does, he can pop you. He can pop you. Y'all hear me? When you get out of that will of God, when you don't be still and seek the mind and will of God and don't learn how to fight, that will hurt you. 
There's a lot of people been hurt that they ain't recovered from it. I don't want the devil to hurt y'all. Amen. I want you to learn to fight. I want you to learn to fight. I hope y'all got something out of this word today. There's a lot of scriptures in here about battle and about warfare. Because God hadn't left us without help. He ain't left us without hope. Amen. I don't care how hopeless your situation seems. God ain't left you without help, and he ain't left you without hope. All he's waiting for you to do is focus on the right thing. Focus on the right thing. Get you a battle plan. Get you a strategy. Know what you're praying about. Know what you're praying against. Tell God what the expected outcome is. Because Jeremiah plainly said it. He said, the thoughts that I think towards you are what? Good. Not of evil. And I believe he put peace in there. He said, but I'm going to bring you to an expected end. You've got to have an expected end. You've got to know what God's thoughts are towards you. And those are in the notes. You can find them. I didn't, I didn't touch a third of what I got in these notes, but I spent about two days searching these scriptures and God stirring my spirit. And I was, man, I don't know. I've, I've texted and called probably half a dozen preachers just like I did last Sunday when the Lord told me to get people gathered together to pray for this nation. And there was a half dozen preachers come together with me and called their churches to prayer. And they got in prayer. And then somebody was telling me here just a couple of days ago, she said, you know, Brother Metter, I believe in the stand you take. And he said, I believe when the pastor calls the church to prayer, people need to come pray. I said, yeah, I do too. And he said, well, I had people didn't show up and pray and said they didn't live two or three miles from church. And said, I saw him a couple of days later now. Why didn't y'all come pray? Oh, we prayed at home. There's a purpose for body. There's a purpose for corporate prayer. Amen. There's strength in it. There's strength in it. There's strength in corporate prayer. There's strength in the body laboring together. Because if you read Ephesians 4 after Paul talks about the fivefold ministry and goes on down and he says, Now we won't be children anymore. Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. And he goes on down and talks about every joint supplieth. So whatever God's put in you as a member of this body, you got something to help supply the body. If you walk in the Spirit of God and you learn to walk in the will that God's put in your life, you can minister something to the body. I don't care whether you get up and say anything. I don't. There's something in you that's going to minister nourishment to the body because every joint has to supply. Every joint in this body's got to supply something to this body for it to move and work right. Amen? Christ is the head. There's many members, one body, and there's one head of this body. But every joint's got to do something to make it work. Every one of y'all got to do something to make it work up here. Because all I can do is instruct. I can teach. I can encourage. I can lay hands on you. I can prophesy to you. 
But you're the ones that's got to implement the battle plan. You know, when God appeared to Joshua and he's standing there looking at Jericho, God told him what to do. Amen. God told him what to do. He said, I want you to take seven days. I want you to get up, get all the fighting men. I want you to march around the city one time. And Joshua said, then attack. The Lord said, no. Six days. March around at one time. Don't make a sound. Priests don't blow on the ram's horn. Nobody says anything. He said, just six days, just walk around at one time? He said, yeah. He said, but on that seventh day. He said, get up real early. He said, walk around at seven times. He said, on that seventh time, he said, let, let the priest blow their ram's horns, let the people shout. And he said, then attack. He said, no. Then I'm going to cause them walls to fall down flat. I'm just going to take the foundation out from under me. just going to shoot. Because if they'd have crumbled, they'd have had a pile of rubble 40 or 50 foot high to crawl over. The Bible said they just walked in. They just walked in. Now I want you to imagine Joshua explaining to his generals how they're going to take Jericho. We're just going to walk around it. We ain't going to fire an arrow. We ain't going to catapult. We ain't going to batter and ram. We ain't going to attack. We ain't, no. We just, the Lord just said walk around it. Joshua, have you been out in this desert sun too long? <laughs> no, we're just going to walk around it. One day for six days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. And we walk around that seven times, and then priests going to blow them shofars. They're going to blow them ram's horns. And the people going to shout. And then we're going to attack. No. Then we're just going to watch them falls, fall, walls fall down flat. Joshua, you've lost your mind. But it was God's battle plan. But Joshua had put it in action. God can give you a battle plan. But you're the one got to implement it. You're the one got to listen to God. Amen. You the one got to do what God says. Because you don't, ain't going to work. Ain't going to work. You can fight till you wear yourself out. You can pray and holler and scream and call on the name of the Lord and scream the name of Jesus, but if you ain't doing it according to God's plan, ain't going to work. Amen. I hope you all appreciate this today. I wish everybody had been here because God's people getting hit right now. I mean, they're getting hit. If you don't learn to fight, you won't survive the hits people are taking. You got to, we got to do this God's way. Amen. We got to do this God's way. Can't do it your way. Because the Bible will tell you there's a way that seemeth right unto man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Can't do this your way. Got to do it God's way. Amen. How many of y'all know? I had, a, I had a young brother work for me in tent ministry. There was a right way, the wrong way, and his way. Bless his heart, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He got killed in an accident. Wasn't but probably mid-30s. But he never would listen to Brother Matter and do it Brother Matter's way. Because mine was the right way because I had the experience. He didn't even do it the wrong way. He done it his way. 
And every time he done it his way, Sister Patty shipwrecked. Messed something up. I'll just give you a, a, a for instance. Had ten of them. We're down there at Sister Daniels, down there in Twin City before they ever built the church up there. It was revival right beside the little white church building down there. And when I got there, they had put the tent up and the power cable that goes from the meter base to the meter the, to the power panel behind the tent. Instead of them running around the edge of the tent, buried it, they'd run it underneath the tent. So I told them, I said, cut the main breaker off. Take the cable loose from behind the platform. I said, if you got to, because we, we kept a breaker on the pole. I said, cut that main breaker off on the pole. That cut the power. I said, then take it loose either at the pole or at the behind the platform. And I said, run it outside the tent. And I said, bury it where people won't trip over it. I said, I got things to do. I'll be gone about three or four hours. Come back. Instead of doing what I asked him to do, he went out there and took a pair of bolt cutters and cut into the cable. I mean big bolt cutters because the wire was a number four. Four alt, big. And he had fried a $75 pair of bolt cutters and nearly blowed the power panel up under the tent. I said, boy, I said, you're going to be the death of me yet. I said, why'd you just do it? Well, I thought this would be faster. I said, you always think something's going to be faster and easier. I said, a lot of times with God, there ain't no fast ways. And there ain't no easy ways. But there is the right way. And that's what we need is the right way. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Do you appreciate this word today? I truly do wish everybody to have been here. Because to me, this is a powerful word. If you learn to practice it and put it in action in your life, I'm telling you things will change. You got them sons and daughters. You want them saved? Put a crosshair on them. Put a crosshair on them. Start targeting them in prayer. Start targeting them in prayer. Get a focus on what you want God to do. Start praying about it. And telling God, show me what to pray. Show me what to do. Show me how to pray. Is it them? Is it a spirit? And go after them. You'll find God will answer your prayer. And you won't be no 20, 30 years down the road waiting for God to save them. Prayer works. Prayer works. Y'all hear me? Prayer works. You don't see God waiting no 30 or 40 years in the Bible to answer prayer. People focused. That's the reason I'm coming down the road this morning and the Lord said, Elijah, a man subject to like passion, prayed earnestly that it might not rain. He said it rained not by the space of three years and six months. And then he went back and then he prayed that the heavens would bring forth rain. The very heavens he shut up. He prayed for them to start raining. 
Seven different times up on that mountain, he sent his servant Gehazi out to the edge of that cliff, look out over the sea and said, what do you see? Six times he come back and said nothing. He done told Ahab to eat and drink and get up and get back to Jezreel. Ahab dragging around. That seventh time he prayed, Gehazi come back and I said, what did you see? He said, I see a cloud the shape of a man's hand. You know what Elijah said? That's enough. That's all I need, just a cloud in the sky. That's all I need. And he started down that mountain and he clouded up and started raining. And the Spirit of God got on him. And he run before the entrance of Ahab's chariot all the way to the gates of Jezreel, which is 17 miles. The Spirit of the Lord got 17 miles. And he outrun him. He said, you can stay here and get rained off if you want to. I'm gone. I told you to get. Now I'm gone. <laughs> We've got a God that will do exceedingly, abundantly above. All that we can ask or think. And it's because there's a working of His power that works in us. You just don't leave it there. You've got to put the rest of it in there. There's a working of His power, His mighty power. It works in us. And because of this, He can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even think. We serve a great big God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God that nothing is impossible. The only thing God can't do, He can't fail and He can't lie. That's the two things He can't do. He can't fail. If you move according to his word. If you pray according to his word, he's not going to fail. If you live according to his word, he's not going to let you down. Amen. He's not going to let you down. Do you love him? Will you go to prayer with me? Father, in the holy name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. God, I feel like this is solid. God, I feel like it will put a foundation and a strength in your people. God, what I'm asking you, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Holy Jesus. Teach us, Lord, to learn to get a strategy and a battle plan. God, when we want to move you and we need things done, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to make war. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. I appreciate the Lord for this. Amen. I appreciate the Lord for this. I feel like it'll make a difference. How many of y'all feel like this can make a difference? I feel like it can make a difference. And I want to encourage y'all. I need everybody to stand with the church and their tithing offerings. Because we're entering into the time of year that tithing offerings will drop off by 40 to 50%. You can believe that or not, but I've preached a lot of years, and usually you get to Thanksgiving, start going in December through January, and people's tithes and offers just drop because they're going to take it and spend it on Thanksgiving, they're going to spend it on Christmas, they're going to spend it on New Year's, and they just drop. I need everybody to stay faithful and stay focused in your giving because we're too few in number. <laughs> so let's honor the Lord today. Did God feed you today?
Did he feed you today? He fed me. Amen. So come on, do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Y'all know the church is over here. If you got something for me, it's over here. But you got to be sure whatever God blesses you with, whatever God does for you, you honor the Lord. No, it's at the trailer. I forgot to bring it. Okay. I got some ones in the back. I'll put them right there. Well, I tell you, God been on target right from the get-go today. From the prayer to the exhortation by Sister Susie. I'm going to tell you, I was listening to her. I said, boy, she right on target. And she was. She right on target. Come on and do what's right in God's eyes. I thank the Lord for His goodness. Amen. Do you thank the Lord for His goodness? Hallelujah. I missed you last week. I thought we wouldn't have in church. Why? I misunderstood what you said. I thought you said, Susie's going to be gone, Kathy's going to be gone. I'm going to be preaching over in Alabama. No, I was right here. We had three people last week, but that's, a, that's all right. Right there. Just lay them right there, our jars. No. Well, we had 115 in it last week. We did. We had 115 ones last week. That's all right. I'm glad you're here today. But the Spirit of the Lord took over me last week, and I went into a prayer, and I prayed about 45 minutes. Did you ever get a chance to listen to it? No. Need to listen to it, because, I mean, the Spirit of God just took me over, and I started commanding God's hands to move in this nation and to move in situation. And there was an authority I don't think I've ever felt before. That's why I keep telling people this ministry of Son of Man's at the door. It's here. There's an authority. There's a power. There's a faith. Something's being given. We fix and do the works of Jesus. I believe it. Do you believe it? Let's ask God to bless this. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, bless it, sanctify it. God, give us the wisdom to use it. Lord, you know what we're trying to do here. God, I feel like sometimes my hands are tied and that frustrates me Lord but I know you got your time to do all things let it be that your name be honored lifted up and glorified bless the people for what they're doing God pull us together in one heart one mind one spirit get the division the schism out of us and unite us as a body in Jesus name I ask it Lord amen and I won't tell y'all what I've done and how the Lord dealt with me. If you get upset with me, that's okay too. But I was at the house Friday, and I'd been telling my wife for three or four days. I said, I want to go back and watch War Room. The movie. Any of y'all watch it? If you got the DVD, go back and watch it again. Because God revived my prayer strategy and put something in my spirit about the principles of prayer when I watched that movie again. Things I didn't get the first time. I sat there and took two pages of notes. That's where a lot of this message was born out of. God said, my people got off track. They got out of focus. And they're not centered on seeking me like they need to be. And I, I told them, well, I've got a war room. Well, evidently, you ain't got nothing writ, writ, uh, wrote on the walls or you ain't implementing what's wrote on them walls because ain't nothing happening. When you set a strategy with God and you do it according to His Word, 
Either God's going to change you or something's going to change. Amen. I appreciate this. Y'all appreciate this? you said about Gideon's in the notes God spoke to me about Gideon because God gave Gideon a plan to destroy the enemy but he had to no, no matter how crazy it seemed 300 men go up against him in multiplies of thousands no matter how crazy it seems God gives us a plan and we don't think it'll work yep Yeah, and we've seen them in India. Them things are big, and they're mean. <laughs> they want me to ride one over in India. I said, I ain't getting on that thing. I did get on an elephant, but I didn't like that neither. But anyway, if I don't see y'all or talk to y'all, y'all have a blessed Thanksgiving. And please, get, uh, have prayer meeting. I got I to gotta go in. I got things I got to do before. So we won't have Bible study Tuesday, but after Thanksgiving, we're going to try to get it set where we can bring everybody together on FaceTime or whatever it is. We'll, we'll get everybody together. But y'all have a blessed Thanksgiving, and we will have prayer tomorrow night right here, 7 o'clock. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Love you. Appreciate you.